Hello, and welcome to EdTech Coast to Coast, brought to you by the K-12 Blueprint and produced by Clarity Innovations. Each month, we talk with EdTech influencers on the vanguard of 21st century teaching and learning. We'll share the latest EdTech information and insights so that professionals just like you can help build a brighter future for students. Across the country, millions of students and teachers have gone back to school. Well, sort of. It's an incredible and challenging time with remote learning becoming the only feasible means in many schools and districts for keeping learning alive. Today we'll be talking with five members of Clarity Innovations. Learning experience designers Todd Johnston, Lisa Fisher, Stephanie Hausman, and Kaylee Rhodes have over a decade of classroom teaching under their belts. In fact, Kaylee still teaches math part-time. Then there's software engineer Tim Rail, who in the past has taught high school physics and math. We asked them what they've seen work well and not so well in terms of remote learning this fall. Let's start with Todd. First and foremost, I'm closest probably to remote learning as a, as a parent um, and watching my fourth grader and my sixth grader and seeing what they're doing on, in their daily lives. And it seems like what's going well, particularly for my daughter, is her uh, organization and her individual sense of responsibility to kind of keep track of uh, where she's supposed to be and what she's supposed to be doing at these various times. Her middle school spent a couple weeks um, just starting very slowly, doing a lot of social-emotional learning stuff as well as um, a lot of organizational things. So after two weeks, it seems like she knows, okay, this is the system I'm using. This oh, is great. what's going to be expected of me day to day. And she at least is able to kind of kind of keep up um, partially because I don't think it's been going too fast, which I think is very, very good, um, and partially because of, of her own work habits. The teachers had uh, some time, more time than in the average school year to, to kind of get acclimated and get going. In elementary schools, it's often like all teachers for themselves, right? And it has been refreshing to see middle school and how they have a school-wide approach to it. And so you see a lot of teachers working together with the same group of students, trying to kind of come up with a consistent program for them. Now let's hear from Lisa. I can kind of piggyback on what Todd's experiences are because, um, so my kids' school also did a soft start um, where they've taken these first few weeks to just kind of acclimate to remote learning and make sure everybody has the resources that they need um, and really focusing on that social emotional learning piece. And um, actually, I think one of the things that's worked very well is that they are focusing on social emotional learning. And it's really made a big difference I've seen just in the way that my kids engage online and just kind of how they view school in general and how they view their teachers. Um, their teachers are like starting each day with a class meeting, which is much less about like instruction and just more about building community and establishing relationships and like setting positive goals and then like even celebrating when those goals are met. And I've just seen how that is so important in like setting them up for learning for the rest of the day. I think it's just about showing kids that there's someone on the other side of that screen that actually cares about them, um, that is invested in their learning this year and also just wants their class to feel like a community and that they're all different, but they appreciate each other's differences. And they've done a lot of work on that in getting to know each other, which of course is something that you would do in the classroom at the beginning of the year, but they are, they're doing it remotely, which is quite a challenge. And I've just been really impressed at how much time they've devoted to the importance of that piece. You can tell that they're getting that message that 
the curriculum, yes, we would probably be further in the curriculum at this point um, if we were in the classroom, but we cannot forget about that social emotional piece and just making sure that everyone feels um, invested because without that, the learning I think would suffer later on. So they're really taking the time to build that foundation now and make sure everybody feels like they're part of this learning community so that they're more invested in it long-term. Now let's hear from Kaylee. My school is really focused on limiting the amount of screen time for kids. So I've seen other school schedules where from about nine to three, kids are pretty booked. Um, They have somewhere to be. Even if it's just in a room doing homework on Zoom. Um, My kids, that's not what they're like. If you look at their schedule, it almost looks a little bit more like um, college, like a college campus where they have like passing periods to get across campus. The main issues that I'm finding with my kids, I teach sixth grade math to remedial, my remedial students who maybe in previous years would have just struggled with normal concepts. But now as a student reminded me, I only had half a year of fifth grade. And, um, um, but far, far less than feeling behind in math, they're so behind because they're 11 years old in just basic computer literacy. So when I'm asking them to copy paste an image so that I can see their math, that's a whole week of learning right there of what copy paste is, um, how to right click. Cause I'm also talking to kids going, okay, sweetie, are, do you know what kind of computer you have? So me also just trying to get them to understand, uh, an email cause I'm emailing them a time to zoom with me and they don't know how to access the chat window in zoom where I just put the link for the activity that we need to all go do together. And so it's been incredibly slow going to actually get to the math. And if I'm facing these kinds of dilemmas, I can't imagine what other teachers with far more students with far less support without um, a tech job on the side. I can't imagine what someone with um, far degrees fewer privilege than I have or is facing right now. My kids are all supported at, at, at home with internet, uh, with devices, and they are still struggling. So what are kids doing who don't have great internet or are maybe having to do all of their work on a phone? That kind of thing. Now let's hear from Stephanie. I have two high school students, one who's a sophomore and one children, one who's a senior. Um, and so what... Um, What their school is doing is combining what they're calling synchronous learning and asynchronous learning. Half of four days is um, synchronous learning, and that is sort of FaceTime in a typical class situation where everybody is on Zoom. And then half of the day, the afternoon, is asynchronous time where they are supposed to be, they're actually using Canvas, um, and they... um, Canvas shows when they're online. So they're actually supposed to be doing their work. The idea behind it, I think, is less screen time, but it's not really what's happening because all of the work is done on a screen. So my children are only seeing their teachers the FaceTime once a week. And that is a problem for them. Neither of them, both of them want more FaceTime with their classes, with their peers, with their teachers. They want to be in school, and the closest thing to being in school is that synchronous time. Yeah. And one thing I did notice that my daughter shared with me yesterday is she had an assignment um, for science, and the teacher actually created a little video for each student 
in response to the assignment. It's just like a little like, hi, Uma, really nice to see you, meet you. I really appreciate this about you. I'm excited for this. So just that personal interaction was really meaningful to her. Now let's get Tim's take. A a high school kid or a middle school kid that's um, having to manage their own time and manage their own schedule and try to check in on, 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 with their teacher at at the appropriate times um, that, that seems like somewhat doable. And and, and it's great to hear that some younger kids are stepping up and, um, you know, being, being more effective at managing their time on their own. I I think a younger kid in elementary school or at younger ages that um, to try to, you know, it seems like they would require a lot of parent handholding, uh, and and I, that that seems to be quite a challenge for um, the parent to to be working themselves. But so many parents now are working from home. But then there's a lot of parents also that can't uh, that ha- can't work from home. And so, what do they do with their kids? I'm I'm pretty worried about that and how that's yeah. affecting things. I you know you hear about parents that do have um, some means that they're able to hire a pod teacher or something with a group of their neighbors or a group of their friends. They hire, they hire a private tutor to help work with their kids. And, 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 but, but parents that can't afford to do that are parents that are, you know, families that are homeless and that have to uh, find a, maybe they can get a device, but how do they plug it in to charge it? And things, there's a lot of logistical things and coming up with the technology that seems like quite a challenge. Another thing I think is, so interesting at this point in time is that we're, we're in the Northwest, right? And Oregon at the, this point in time is all remote all the time for every student in the state. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of states now that are doing this kind of hybrid, some in-person instruction with smaller groups or on certain days of the week. And back to your point, Tim, that, that brings a whole other la- layer of complexity for parents and families. Like what, what day are my children in school? What day are they at home? I imagine, too, that that would bring up a lot of transportation issues as well, because students can't take a bus. It's a communal space, too. So I wonder how how families are juggling that. EdTech Coast to Coast is a production of Clarity Innovations for the K-12 Blueprint. Be sure to visit the K-12 Blueprint at www.k12blueprint.com for the latest research data, device information, best practices and deployment strategies showing real-world results in districts just like yours. And to help educators keep pace with current educational practices, the K-12 Blueprint provides robust toolkits loaded with vital resources, each focusing on a critical challenge. Let's hear more from our Back to School 2020 panel on what they've learned from teaching in the time of COVID. It's also made my teaching a lot more tech-focused and my in a good way, not <laughs> I'm getting really efficient with deciding when tech is actually enhancing it versus hindering it um, because it's all tech. <laughs> so I can right. tell really quickly what is bubbling to the surface as effective. Um, it's also giving me clearer um, metrics on homework completion because previously if a kid just kind of like slid me a half chewed up notebook paper, I'd be like, okay, thank you so much. While another kid's talking to me. And I maybe just was like, I think that kid handed me their homework. Okay, cool. I I don't know where it is, but they did it. Now it's like all on Google classroom, all done. I can go look at it months later. And so I'm having better data points that I can um, actually get a little bit more differentiated and granular with what each kid needs. 
Yeah. One thing I've noticed, and it's just more anecdotal, but um, I've seen a lot of collaboration between teachers within each grade level. And that's not something that I necessarily saw in the past. Um, Not that it wasn't there, but uh, it's not uncommon for like my students or my kids to watch like an instructional video that's been created by another teacher within that grade level. Mm -hmm. Um, That's very common. And it seems like they're really sharing the workload and working together. And I think that might be one positive thing that's come out of all of this. Yeah, I, I think it's things that we've been telling ourselves forever, right? Is that a, a great teacher skill is flexibility. Um, and a great skill for families and parents is flexibility. And a great s- skill for students is flexibility, right? So I think I just need to, I'm just reminding myself all the time that tomorrow will be different. And um we need to adapt and change. We're seeing some pretty interesting changes, both in terms of how technology is used in education, but then also this this bit about um, some of the best assignments and activities I've seen are much, as opposed to being very skill-focused, are much more like um, interest or engagement or, or focused in terms of just like kind of letting kids go on their own and do some interesting projects, right? So like as opposed to trying to teach the least common multiple on day one and then the greatest common factor on day two, kind of building building more interesting math projects or language arts projects that, that allow kids to um, do some of that learning offline as well as online. We need to pay our teachers more. Yeah, I'm working much more, but I don't really mean about me because I'm a part-time teacher. Um, we should be attracting the best talent. It should be the most desirable job in the United States. Thank you, Todd, Lisa, Kaylee, Stephanie, and Tim for that update on how schools and districts are handling teaching and learning this fall. We'll see you next time here at EdTech Coast to Coast. Until then, keep learning.